Welcome to the Honest Property Investment Podcast with me, Natasha Collins, property investor, chartered surveyor, and CEO of NC Real Estate, my boutique firm of surveyors, which specializes in helping investors make money from commercial and mixed-use properties in the UK through our asset management services. Want to find out more? Head on over to ncrealestate.co.uk. This week's podcast is something very different. I did a live masterclass called Rising Above the Noise, How to Invest in Commercial Property This Year. And it was such a good masterclass that I want to share it with you so that you can go through this too. It's the basics. It's getting back to where we started from. But I think it is so important that you're able to go back through and listen. So without further ado, let's jump straight in. It's really nice to see you all. I have a more fancy mic in front of me today, mainly because the mic in my computer doesn't seem to pick up sound. So hopefully you can all hear me okay and everything goes smoothly. Um, we're here to do a repeat on last week, last month's Rising Above the Noise, How to Successfully Invest in Commercial Property in 2023. There are a lot of faces on this call that I recognise. There are also a lot of new faces on this call as well. So welcome, everybody. It's so lovely to see you. Um, this is a refresher for anybody who's been through this already. And for those of you who know nothing about commercial property, this is really a place to get you started. It's all it's all the beginning stuff. I'll share a bit of um, some case studies as well. And I'll give you some good tips on how to get started okay. in commercial property at the moment. Now, what you will notice is my wingwoman, Lorenza Allen, is on this call with Hi. me. Lorenza is in charge of community at NC Real Estate. She's going to be helping me out in this call because usually I don't see what's coming through in the chat box, mainly because trying to navigate around everything. Um, I miss stuff. So if you've got any questions, Lorenza will pick them up and ask me throughout if I haven't noticed them. Lorenza will just be checking in to make sure you're all okay as well. So anything you need throughout, definitely ask Lorenza. This is going to be a quick hour. So we're going to be going through huge amounts of information in an hour. So I really recommend that you take as many notes as you possibly can. Um, feel free to take pictures of the webinar slides if you want to remember anything. They are there for you. And I think let's just dive in. So if you've not come across me before, I'm Natasha Collins. I'm the CEO and founder of NC Real Estate. That's my firm of surveyors. We are regulated by the RICS. We are a firm of surveyors. And we specialize in building commercial and mixed-use property portfolios in the UK. I'm a chartered surveyor. My main speciality is asset management. So I build property portfolios, sometimes existing portfolios. So a client would come to me and they would say, hey, Natasha, um, I've got this portfolio. I really want to make it bigger or I want to change it in some way. My job is to do that. So oversee the day-to-day -day management of the property portfolio, any lease renewals, uh, rent reviews that need doing, handling breaks, leasing, letting. My job is to run that portfolio and run the strategy. Uh, the biggest portfolios that I have done 
is that I have what ran the commercial asset management for the Sloan Stanley estate. I've run N- NHS portfolios. I've worked on the Cadogan estate. I've worked on large estates and I also work on smaller estates with smaller clients now. And um, the reason being is my history as a surveyor was that my job was to go out there and buy off the smaller landlords. That was always what I would do. If I saw something come up, I'd go into negotiation and I'd get those properties for the bigger landlords and we would just be expanding our portfolios. That's not always great for the smaller landlords because me armed as a surveyor, I know what I'm doing and I know how to negotiate. Often the smaller landlords wouldn't be as in such great uh, negotiating power. And so I started NC Real Estate as a place to represent the smaller landlords and property investors who needed that support, but didn't have access to the larger uh, firms of surveyors who would only handle portfolios over a certain size, you know, a couple of hundred million for some of them. Uh, the smallest portfolio that I used to work on when I was in corporate would be 10 to 15 million. So I saw a niche in the market for these smaller portfolios, and that's why I set up NC Real Estate. I also invest in property myself. I have um, multiple different assets from commercial property, residential property. I have serviced accommodation. I have a telephone box. I invest in all sorts of different property types. So I'm down here in the weeds with you as well. I know how it goes. Property is not an easy journey. Property can be very hard and there's always things that come up. So I'm not about to tell you over the next 50 minutes or so. This is a really easy way of making money. You get there really quickly. This time next year, you're going to be earning 20, 30, 40 grand per annum. I'm just here to give you the information so that you can make informed decisions. Once you can make informed decisions, you can go out there and you can invest in commercial property. That's that's what this is all about, giving you that knowledge. So in this masterclass, I'm going to be going through, number one, why you need to ignore the media and rather learn which stats to pay attention to instead. That's really vital. Why tenants are still looking for long-term space and how to attract the right tenant long-term. I want you to understand why commercial property prices are falling and what to do about it. We're going to be looking at what commercial property you should be buying right now and why and how to get started with with buying commercial property in 2023. So we have a lot to get through. Again, we're going to be going through a lot of things that I have been taught as a surveyor my team will understand as surveyors and what we go through with our younger surveyors who are currently going through the APC process as well so there's a lot packed in here but hopefully you pick up some really key points and you get out of it the process of investing in commercial property so first off please turn off the news I get so many people saying to me, Natasha, but can you not see that um, deal making isn't happening? There's nobody in the market right now. Commercial property values are declining. Um, 
I mean, the one easy money of the UK property market is a thing of the past. Well, yeah, that's always kind of been the case. We can't borrow 100% anymore. But there's so many negative headlines. And I really want you to think about what is actually true in the current situation. Because you don't just walk down high streets or you don't see your commercial area and everything is empty. It's like, for example, I am. Uh, currently replanting my lawn at the moment and I am one of these people who is completely impatient you know I looked at it I thought oh this looks terrible I have to put seed down on all of it well actually look again I looked again no not the whole of my lawn needs replanting some of it does but there's patches where things are really flourishing that is the same as the commercial property market your job and what I really encourage you to do is be looking around and seeing what is working right now. What is working in the local area? And it's going to be very different depending on what area you are in, right? Because what works for me around the area that I live in here, there's a lot of nurseries, there's a coffee shop, there's a bar, and there is a supermarket. And there's a nail salon, but that doesn't do very well. There used to be a couple of takeaways, but they don't do very well because they weren't the cheapest. So I always look at what's flourishing and not and what's not flourishing and what is selling on the market and what's not selling. That starts to give me a picture of what is going on. The market is also not operating as you would expect. The properties that we would expect to not sell seem to be selling for an awful lot of money. And the things that we think, mm, maybe that wouldn't work, are working really well. For example, I give you Thatcham House, which we were negotiating on in January. It was on the market for 565000 It had a rent roll of just over £100,000 per annum. So on the face of it, looks fantastic. The headline rental figures um, versus what it's on the market for look amazing. The biggest problem with this property is that the landlord was paying 130 grand in service charge for this building a year. They were paying it themselves. They were making nothing. They were having to take money out of their day job to prop this property up. And the reason being is that electricity costs, as we all know, had gone through the roof. The landlord hadn't thought of putting in place leases where they could recharge utilities. And so it was just so expensive to run. So we thought that we could put in a really cheap offer and that we'd probably get it wrong. It ended up selling at best bids for six sixty. I don't know that I would take the risk on that building considering there is an awful lot of utility bills that you have to recoup. I don't know. That's just me. But it wasn't something that we were expecting to see on the market. Whereas 48, and I, I call it Menard Street. It's not how the Cornish call it, but um, that's how I say it. Uh, we were told by multiple agents that this building wouldn't let very well. And we have just gone under offer to a barbershop who put in place a really strong six-year lease. And um, there is a break after year two, I think, but there's a break 
penalty in place. So if the tenant wants to enact the break, they're going to have to pay the landlord a sum of money. So that's a really valuable lease clause. And they are paying market rent for this building. We were told we were definitely not going to get it. We also had other bids of from gift shops and other tenants who wanted to look around. So when we're being told that something isn't working or something may not work, it actually is working. I mean, I had faith in this building from the beginning, which is why I allowed my client to, to uh, buy it because it's very sweet. It has sea views and on a hot day, it's absolutely glorious. And I'm sure Lorenzo, who's been with me to this building, can attest to that. It is a lovely building. But again, it's not what people in the market are saying or they don't see things. And you've got to be really, really innovative. Tenants are still looking for space, though. And we're still getting a lot of different offers for spaces. For example, 13 to 14 marketplaces is another Cornwall uh, property. We don't buy all properties in in Cornwall, these are just a couple that we've got uh, that are letting at the moment. We had a music studio very interested in taking the whole of the second floor. Would I have thought of a music studio? No. Um, that was even far further out of the box than my thinking goes. But a music studio was very interested in taking it. We've had other interest from film studios who would like to go in there. It's tenants who are looking for spaces who I would never have traditionally thought would be in the market. Um, and this is because they're starting to see opportunities to do business where traditional retailers or traditional office users, for example, have pretty much been priced out of the market because they haven't changed their business models. So the key takeaway I want you to take here is other tenants are looking for it. Um, at Aubrey Arcade, we have two units for let actually one's just gone under under offer this unit that you can see here uh, was vacant as of the end of january that has gone under offer to a massage parlor and whereas before on this unit we were getting 18 pounds per square foot that's just jumped up to 28 pounds per square foot because there is such a lack of space in this area and actually Arbury Arcade is in Wantage in Oxfordshire and one of the biggest indicators we had of success in this area was the fact that Fatface were meant to come out of their unit after Christmas and they've just signed a new three-year lease because they realised that the area is good for trading. We have an anchor unit at Arbury Arcade which you can't see in this picture but that's also on the market at the moment and we've had a lot of interesting uh we've had a lot of interest from strange uh, occupiers who would actually do really well for example alternative therapies would like to go in there and we've got tenants who want to expand their business into that unit so that they can grow again Tenants are looking for space because if they have got an interesting business idea at the moment, they definitely want to take it. Our jobs as investors is to look beyond what we know as normal. I'll say that again. 
we have to look beyond what we know as normal because that's where we're going to be finding the tenants right now who have got these innovative business ideas who will be making the best use of this space. So how do we attract tenants for the long term? What are we doing right now? Well, our strategy is number one is obviously research. Research, research, research. Again, go and look for what's flourishing. Don't look at the stuff that's not happening. I find too much we get stuck on what's not working as opposed to what is working. What is working and what can I add to this area with? The other thing that we do as a general rule of thumb is if there's a lot of vacancies, we'll phone round, um, we'll phone round the local agents and find out actually are these are these properties let and who are they let to? Who's going to be coming in? What's going to be changing in the local area? So re research is key. But research with a positive spin, not a negative spin, please, because that's where you're going to find opportunity. Number two, we look at asking neighboring tenants. Do you want to move into additional space? Do you want to open this space up? What can we do for you to help you create a better business where you could use the space as well? Number three, we're also looking at pricing the building with tenants in mind. If we go back to this Arbury Arcade unit, we very much had to think about, we want to charge service charge and service charge was a, was a charge that was going to come in on top of the rent so that the tenants contributed to the maintenance because we know that we've got maintenance here over the next five years. What would a global figure look like? If we added service charge and rent together, what does that look like? And this unit, I think, is 228 square feet times um, multiplied by 28 pound per square foot is 6,384. So divide that by 12. That means that tenant is paying just for the rent alone, 532 pounds per month. Well, for a tenant of this size, what would we be expecting them to pay? What would be reasonable? Well, we know in the area from looking at other units, tenants who take these smaller units and who are trading with businesses on the smaller scale can probably look to pay up to around 600 to 650 pounds per month. So we then know where we're capping the service charge and the service charge on these units is capped at five pounds per square foot and we're never going to go above that. So again, what we've done is we've priced for the tenants. What tenants are going to come in? How big are their units and how much would they be willing to pay on a monthly basis if we took everything in globally and there's a little bit in there for electricity as well but these tiny units of a couple of hundred square feet don't use much electricity at all um, you're talking 20 quid a month because they only have a couple of lights in there and a heater um, and the water bill will go through the service charge so they don't have that and they're too small for business rates so they're not paying that now, I know I had a question about an anchor unit, and that's a really good um, question. So the anchor units, when we've got a parade of retail, or we've got a cluster of retail, are the bigger units which sit um, at either the end of the parade. So like traditionally, you would have seen Debenhams as an anchor unit. You would have seen John Lewis as an anchor unit. 
I know that that's not the case anymore, but they are traditionally your anchors. These are the bigger shops or the bigger units that we use to pull customers into our shopping area so that they want to come and explore. Uh, and in this case, we are now looking at bigger op- bigger operators who may want to have a coffee shop or a restaurant because at one end of this arcade is Costa, but down here, you can see at the moment, it doesn't really look very inviting, but if you keep walking through, you can see this lady in yellow. That's actually the main shopping center, this main car park for this shopping center because you walk through here to get to the market square. So what we're looking at is for an occupier to come in here who is going to uh, pull people down this part of the arcade who will want to shop in these shops. That's really important to us and what we're looking for right now. Finally, number four, when we're attracting tenants for the long term, make it simple. Make your lease terms simple. Uh, What we're doing is we just set out our heads of terms, which is all the terms that you can expect to see in a lease up front. We give them to any prospective tenants and we say, this is what we're offering you. It's no more complicated than that because tenants don't want to spend huge amounts of money on solicitors. Now, for the bigger tenants where they're going to be paying 25, 30, 35 grand a year, yes, they are going to be wanting to pay more money in legals. But for the smaller tenants, as we've just seen, who are going to be paying £6,000, £6,500 a year for rent, Paying a solicitor £1,500 to look over a lease eh, isn't really worth it. So we try and make it as simple as possible for them so they don't have to shell out as much money. Now, just as a caveat with that, we can't act for the tenants. It's not us saying, oh, we're advising you of X, Y, and Z. It's just us saying, look, we're being transparent. Here's all the terms. You go and either seek advice or decide if that's what you want to do or not. Now let's move on to why commercial property prices are falling. And I want to go back to the investment value triangle. This is the basis of commercial valuations. Essentially, yield times rent equals the property value. That is the basic calculation. So in if I don't know if everybody's got um, a calculator with them. I always carry a calculator around. I'm a surveyor, seems to come with the territory. Um, Just to give you a demonstration of how that works. So say the yield is 8%. The way that I think about it, and this is my mind, So this is inside the mind of Natasha. This is how I learned how to do valuations as a surveyor. I know that you can also um, divide the the rent times the yield, but let me show you my way. So if the yield is 8%, what I would do on my calculator is I would do 100 divided by 8, which equals 12.5. That's my yield multiplier. I then multiply 12.5 by the rent. So if the rent's £20,000 per annum, the value of the property will will be somewhere in the region of £250,000. That's how commercial property property valuations work 
as a basic principle. Now, with surveyors, we take into account discounting in some, some places, for example, if we think it's going to take longer to rent the property, or we think that we haven't got a secure rental income for a long period of time, we might value the uh, the, the term rental income. So whatever we're going to get in up until the point where that income is not going to happen anymore. And then we value the reversion. So any rent that we think we're going to get once the current tenants move out. That is too far for today, for today and the purpose of what we're doing today. But just start off by the process, the premise that yield times rent equals property value. Now, the higher the rent, the higher the value, obviously, because your multiplier times the higher rent equals higher value. But the lower the yield, the higher the value. And the reason being is that 100 divided by 8 is 12.5, but 100 divided by 6 is 16.6666, reoccurring, right? That's a higher multiplier. So if I multiply 16.666 by 20,000, my value is now at £333,333. The yield is a measure of risk. And I'll show you where you can get that from very shortly. But why are commercial property prices are falling? Well, number one, Bank of England base rate. Yields for commercial property track the Bank of England base rate. It is very rare that you would get a commercial property yield that is below the Bank of England base rate. So whereas 18 months ago, we might have seen some yields at 3% for commercial property, we're definitely not going to see that anymore. That will have risen by at least 1.5 to 2%. And so if we go back to the premise that uh, the lower the yield, the higher the value, we'll reverse that, the higher the yield, the lower the value. So if the Bank of England base rate has gone up, yields have to go up to uh, go alongside that, in which case commercial property values have to come down. And that is really what we're seeing right now. I haven't seen rents decline in the way that everybody thinks they have. Uh, as I said, with that Arbery Arcade deal, that's gone up by £10 per square foot since it was let last year. That's a massive jump. Massive jump, uh, probably a, not, a, a strange thing because we've got a small unit there. But on the whole, I haven't seen rents go down. It's not as if I've got clients who are letting out at a certain price and that's dropped uh, from previously. Um, yeah, uh, John, I think you'll just say yield multiplier in Tasha's triangle. Yeah, it can do. Um, it's just easy to know where the yield uh, the yield comes from because ultimately the multiplier is derived from the yield. So where are we getting these from? Well, a really good starting place is Knight Frank's Prime Yield Guide. This is my favourite. It's free. You can see that. You can go and get it. They've launched the Gen the February one as well. Um, this will track how yields are changing and what yield you should be putting on your commercial property purchase. Now, what you're going to need to do is uh, 
the prime yield guide is quite a big document and if you go through it it will give you the prime yields for each different type of property so you can see how it's tracking these are always going to be the lowest the yields really should be so usually you'd find me putting 0.5 to 0.75% on top of these if I'm doing an, an appraisal for a client. These are, these are real best case scenario, but this is how we track it. Um, and you can find the prime yield guide simply by typing in Knight Frank's prime yield guide. Uh, CBRE do their own, JLL do their own. They all roughly track the same. It would be really silly of them to put out things that are very, very different. But um, the, this is where we get our starting information from to get the rest of the information so we can drill it down into what's going on in our local area. I then um, compare this with comparable sale yields from uh, what's gone on in the local area over the last three to four months actually I used to do it over a six month period I wouldn't be looking so so much at six months worth of yields anymore I would be looking far more at the last three months based upon the market change over that time and um, what we can start to see and actually what happened in February is that these yields started to stabilize and we'll see that as the Bank of England gets a little bit more secure in where their base rate is going to be. Uh, from what I hear in the market, they're seeing one more rise. I don't have a crystal ball. I don't work for the Bank of England. I don't know that whether that's going to happen or not. But eventually what we'll see is these yields starting to stabilise. Um, one thing is for sure that West End Prime Core, so Mayfair and St. James tracks just about or just slightly below where the Bank of England base rate is. So these landlords aren't actually making any money on their properties right now, really. If you think about it, you know, you could put it in something else and make money. Um, but a lot of this is owned by the Crown. So they can't sell it and, and uh, make a huge amount of money from it. So it's interesting. Use this. Really do use this. It's free information, really good way of looking at how you can appraise a commercial property. Now, the other thing I do want to make sure that you understand is that capital values fluctuate anyway. So we've also got, as well as them fluctuating because of the change in yields, based upon where we are in the lease cycle of a commercial property, that's also going to change the value of the property too. Because the yield is based upon risk. So if we have less uh, stability and how long we're going to get the rent in for. So say we're going to get the rent in for one year as opposed to five years. Um, just so that you can see, these are single lets on 10 years. This means that we're guaranteed a 10-year uh, rental income. We've got here 15 years. That means that we're guaranteed a 15-year rental income. So these, again, are base, best case scenarios for longer leases where we're guaranteed the rent for a longer period of time. As the length of time that we're guaranteed rent for decreases, so does the value because the yield gets slightly higher. Now, this is an over-exaggeration because I wanted you to see the difference in the change. Really, it's like minor changes, but your capital value will, will change. We have a new lease, and as the new lease runs down, the 
value gets a bit lower. We get to rent review where we put our rent back up to market value and we'll see the, the value of the property go up slightly. We then start running it down to lease end where there's less of a value in that property at the time. We do a lease renewal and up we go again because we've got a new lease with, uh, you know, we know we're going to get that rental income for a longer period of time. What helps with that? We put in place a new lease. We could put in place a deposit so that we've also got that security. We could put in place a guarantor so we've got that security. The more security we've got from a lease, the better, the better the value. And then the cycle goes again, all the way down till the tenant vacates. And when we've got an empty property, that is more often than not the lowest value that that property is going to be at that time. It will depend on what the yields are and what the yields are saying for the area. But that's when our property is in the lowest, the lowest value. Um, I always get asked, Natasha, why would anybody sell if the property is going to be uh, vacant? Well, with commercial property, they may have made their money somewhere else. They may have held it for the last 10 years. They've got all their money back out, plus some. They don't care about doing the reletting and getting it back into the original value. They don't care about that. They've made their money. Let's just sell it wherever we are in the property cycle. You'll see other people who, who desperately need the money. And so they get it all into this gorgeous, uh, beautiful, very good investment, with very low yields. It's going to be very strong and they sell it you know, at their highest possible value. Uh, certainly, it just depends on the landlord and what they're doing at the time. So don't read too much into it. If they're selling it with vacant possession, fine. They've probably got their money somewhere else. And if they're selling it at the top of the market, fine. They're making their money at the moment. Now, I'll go back to the point that market rents are still stable. Um, you may be aware that uh, market rents really do uh, run based upon supply and demand. So market rent is impacted by supply and demand. If there is too much supply, rents will go down. If there isn't enough supply, rents will go up. And that really depends upon the demand. So if demand increases and supply drops, market rents will increase. And demand is a byproduct of what's going on in the economy. It doesn't mean that demand falls away all at once. Definitely not. Uh, what it means is that demand changes. Demand looks very different. If you'd have asked me what was happening five, 10 years ago, we were seeing units shift at an alarming rate. Back at um, 2015 was probably, for me, the highest point of this, this cycle that we're on right now. Everybody was feeling pretty flush with their cash. They were taking out massive, massive leases. And that has slowly started to decline. And that was just us coming out of the, uh, the recession and everybody being really excited that they had a little bit more money. People were spending again. Uh, borrowing was really cheap. And so they could afford to take out massive leases. I remember doing a rent review for the Manchester United office in Mayfair. And that rent roll was somewhere in the one point something million. And they could afford it. They probably still can. But at the time, the comparable evidence was around there. No one was even batting an eyelid. Everybody on each floor had that um, had that kind of rent rolls and those buildings have cleared out in recent years. So again, we are it really depends upon um, uh, demand. At the moment we're seeing that smaller units let far better than the big units. 
Anything around 500 square feet, it tends to let really well. And do not, when we're not stipulating what that property should let for, you know, whether it should be retail, office, I really don't mind. Tell us what you want to use the space for. And so, again, as I said, 500 square foot, usually on a ground floor or first floor. If a basement comes with it, it's going to be bigger. But again, um, usually the usable floor space, the, the place where the tenant trades from, we're doing really well at 500 square feet at the moment. So you want to be looking at buying buildings where even if they've got those larger floor plates, you can split them down if necessary. I wouldn't split them down until you started to get tenants interested and they tell you what they want from their space. That's uh, that that's also really important because if they want to come in and they want part of the space, for example, they can pay for the split out and you can give them a bit of rent free. But always have it in mind that you want te- you want space that can be split where necessary, so you can offer those smaller units because. If you can get part of the unit shifted and let, then you've got money coming in, right? And that's really important. Get your cash flow before you start doing all these big things. Let the building make sure tenants are coming in and you're giving them the space that they want. Um, so let's have a quick look at which commercial property. Now, the right kind of commercial property will depend on your risk appetite. And you've got to think deeply about this. Really deeply about this. This is my rough changing risk based on increasing return on capital employed. It is not a one size fits all, but it gives you a kind of indication of what you're going to be looking at. So up to around that 10, 15%, 20% at a push, but I'm not seeing as many 20% return on capital employed um, based upon the current interest rate in the current market. These kind of properties usually are readily available properties, fully let with good tenants. You can buy and hold, you can do a little bit of maneuvering around, but on the whole, you've got a rental income that's going to be paying your costs. The building will wash your space. When you're moving up that return on capital employed, you might have tenants already in situ, but you'll need to let one unit out or several units out, do lease renewals or rent reviews. There's going to be a lot of management and leasing strategy that needs to be done in order to get those higher return on capital employed. It's going to be risky because you could have vacant units and it could take a long time for those vacant units to let. You could have difficult tenants where the tenants may not want to negotiate with you. So that could take 12 months. It could be that you get into the building and you suddenly find out that, oh my gosh, there's a huge amount of maintenance that needs doing, right? There could be multiple unknowns, but you are taking that higher risk because you are prepared to put in the time. Then We're looking at, again, those higher return on capital employees. These are far rarer to find because you have to negotiate really hard on them. Um, The building may be more than 50% vacant with tenants not in leases or other management problems to sort out. And this is usually pretty serious. This would mean that we really have to look at arrears, potentially. There could be tenants in there who don't have leases and they don't ever intend on having leases. We could have had tenants who've wrecked the place. We can just have problem upon problem upon problem. 
So when we are looking at those higher return on capital employees, we are going into these deals with our eyes wide open, knowing full well that if we really have lucked out, there's not going to be a huge amount to do. But nine times out of 10, this building is going to take us a good 12 months to sort out and maybe even more. I was speaking to Harriet, the senior, a senior surveyor on our team, and we were going through the average time it takes to sort out buildings with the higher risk once you buy them. And usually it's 12 to 18 months for everything to settle down and you go back to a semi sort of passive income. So they take time and you're buying the risk. So you are buying the fact that you're going to have to do more with it. And then when we're looking at these 75% to 100% return on, percent return on capital employed, well, that's always when you're looking at doing a major development. You've got a vacant building that's probably a shell of a building that needs complete overhaul doing. So you need to decide on what your risk level is. And know that anything above kind of that 10% return on capital employed is going to come with problems. And that's just a sliding scale of getting higher. It is what it is. But if you'll make if you want to make that those bigger returns, then you put in more and um, you're going to put in more along the way. And just as an FYI, I go through swings and roundabouts of investing my well sometimes I will buy an investment because I know I'm going to do a development I did um, a larger larger flat conversion where I bought a house with a friend of mine and we converted it into two masonettes take ages because we ended up doing it through the tail end we ended up doing it as COVID started we were only meant to be in and out within 12 months took us however long COVID took us right Whereas one of my commercial properties, never seen it, bought it. I sit on it for a, just a passive income. I love that investment. I love it so much. I don't even have to think about it, right? So you decide what you want and what type of property you want to buy. And that really is up to you. But again, going back to that demand and the tenant demand and how we're letting things out, the one thing I would say is just make sure that there is going to be some demand for your property, regardless of what return on capital employed you're buying. So. For me, I look at things on um, good high streets. I'm not looking at primary cities like London, Bristol, Manchester. I don't tend to look at those as much. Um, I look at secondary towns where there's units that can be used by community uses or there's local communities that are going to be going past it. It's on a good train or bus route or a good through way from rows very easily accessible. That for me is what's really important. Apart from that, I don't mind what the building looks like or what's going on with it. So how do you get started with all of this? I have just gone through all of those practicalities with commercial property, but how are we gonna get started? Well, the very first thing you're gonna do is set your goals. How much have you got to spend on this investment? Can you keep adding to your investment? And I'll give you something that you can look at fairly easily in a second. Next, identify targets for your ideal property. What does that look like? If you are searching for your next property, what do you want it to be? How much do you want it to be? How much rental income do you want? Uh, where do you want it to be located? What amenities do you want around it? What do you want to be looking at? 
And that's where you set up your search location. You think, oh, where do I want to be? I personally don't care where in the world it is as long as it take it makes the money that I want it to make. So again, I've told you what what sort of areas I look in. Good transport is key for me. That is my biggest thing. Good transport, everything else is kind of secondary thing that I look at. But that can be anywhere. I've got properties in America. I've got properties in the UK. Um, I don't mind as long as they make money. But choose a search area to start with. Again, I, I'm very much that I like having mine in the UK now near a family member who can go out and check on it if I'm not there. Um, and so I tend to look in and around the M4 corridor. That's me. That's where I look, look for things. That means that I can set up a really good search criteria for myself. Um, and I want you to do the same. Once you've got your targets, your boundaries, set up your search. And you can do that on Rightmove Commercial. You can do that with local agents. You can do it without having the paid for services if you want to. We pay for CoStar, we pay for EIG, we pay for Adozo. All of those services help us and they mean that we can search even easier than you know, just having Rightmove. But Rightmove is still a really good place to start. Uh, LoopNet as well. Loop, LoopNet is owned by CoStar, so you can also search on there to see what comes out. Um, and you can also look on auctions, set up alerts for auctions. So you don't have to necessarily be paying for stuff, but set up that search and have a look at what's coming through. Next up, deal analysis and viewings. I cannot stress how important it is to go out on viewings. And the reason being is that you meet agents and you can talk to agents. Last week, for example, uh, one of my clients has been uh, looking at multiple properties um, all around the, the Southeast, he's London-based. And there was a property on his running route that came up at the tail end of last year. And he wanted it, but the agent had said that they'd already safeguarded it for someone else. So we couldn't even offer on it. The week before last, he had gone on a viewing with the same agent to a different property, a property that he couldn't even afford. But he'd gone anyway just to check in with the agent. And the agent said that that original property that he'd seen on his running route had fallen through. Did he want to step in behind that seller? Yes. Correct answer was yes. We definitely wanted it. It's a really great property. Um, it's two residential flats and a large, large, large retail unit in the Highgate area of London. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. And um, so this week he stepped in and he's going to be buying that instead. How did that happen? He was just going out on viewings. My New Year's resolution for this client was please just go to every single viewing, regardless of whether you think that property is going to be 100% correct for you. Let's get out and talk. Let's show people that you've got money in your bank and you want to spend it. You know, negotiations can come from us. We do the deal analysis. We go through everything else. But let me put yourself in front of an agent. You as the investor, you have got money to spend. Here I am, investor, money in my back pocket, right? Then once you're under offer, you can identify how you're going to finance the property. There are multiple different ways of financing property. 
I would expect you to be either if you're using cash, fabulous. But if you're going to be uh, financing the property through a uh, mortgage, use multiple different lenders. Don't just go through the first one and then offer on the property. But actually, I'd be offering on the property probably as soon as I viewed it. Go through the deal analysis, check it's right, see what price you'd offer at and put an offer. An offer does not mean that you are legally bound to buy that property. An offer is, here's my line in the sand. I want to be the person that goes forward with this building. So let's go to exclusive uh, negotiating because the conveyance starts. That's where you want to get to. Get your offer accepted so that you are the only person talking to that seller and then go through the conveyancing process. Nine times out of 10, the amount that we offer isn't what we end up purchasing the property for because there's surveys that go on, different things move. So we just have to be really aware that things will change during it. So don't be scared to put in offers. In fact, 2023 should be the year of the offer. Offer on everything you see, get practice in, put that offer in, always put it subject to contract, put your other subjects in, whatever you want to put it subject to. Subject to valuation, if you've got a SAS because your SAS is going to need evaluation. Subject to survey, if you want a survey on it. Subject to, I don't know, whatever else you want to happen, but put in those offers. I really strongly recommend that. If you do nothing else, just offer on everything. That's how you're going to buy a property. Now, I'm sending you, or I should have already sent you, Lorenzo, you tell me whether it's gone out or not. Um, a goal spreadsheet. This way, you can plug into this spreadsheet how much money you've got available to spend on your property, what loan to value you would like to have on purchase, and your target gross yield. Very simple, pop that in there. And then in green, it's going to come out with your target property price, which discounts um, purchasing costs, and your target rental income. Then you've got some search characteristics that you can go out with. You can play around with the rest of my figures in red if you would like. Uh, the interest rate on lending is around 7.5%. Interest rate on commercial lending has actually dropped slightly over the last couple of weeks, which is interesting. Um, are you targeting for repairing and insuring leases? So essentially, are you hoping that the uh, tenants are going to do all the maintenance themselves? If yes, leave it as yes. Will you be managing the property yourself? You decide yes or no. Um, maximum void period you're looking for in months, keep it at 9%. Years until remortgage, might want to put that up to five. Lenders prefer a five-year mortgage at the moment. Doesn't mean you can't get a two, but lenders are really liking five-year mortgages. But you can have a look at playing around with increasing the value of the property. This is a rough mathematical exercise to show you how your money changes if you're increasing the value of that property. So you can kind of have a look at what difference that makes to your property. So have a play around with this goal sheet. It is for you to use. It is for you to forecast with. And it's for you to be able to literally set your goals. And then I tell you what, set your goals. And then go and draw a map radius on uh, Rightmove of 20 miles from where you live and see what comes up. Really good place to start. Really good place to start. So use your goal sheet spreadsheet to set that. Ooh, we've been through a lot today, a huge amount today. And um, and what I'm hoping that you've took away from this is why you need to ignore the media 
and rather learn which stats to pay attention to instead. Remember my grass analogy, always look for what's flourishing, really important. Two, why tenants are still looking for space and how to attract the right tenant long term. Understand why commercial property prices are falling and what to do about it. Well, what to do about it? Make sure that you're negotiating um, correctly. One thing that we are seeing is that sellers are still overpricing things by a lot and have got unrealistic expectations. Just remember that these deals come back around. There's a lot of things that we're seeing come back to market. Um, we keep a list of everything that we look at. I mean, we go through 30 to 40 deal analysis, full deal analysis a week. Some of them just do not work at the price that they've been listed at, so they get kept back. We, we check back in with them every three months to see if they've sold. Inevitably, the stuff that is overpriced is not selling. And at some point, if they do actually want to sell it, they don't just want it sat on the market, they're going to have to drop the price. Understand which commercial property you should be buying right now and why. So remember, think back to your return on capital employed and also demand for space. That's really important. And I've given you that roadmap on how to get started with buying commercial property in 2023. So there we have it. That's the masterclass. Now, as a takeaway from this, if you want to ask any more questions, you can have a call with Team NCRE by clicking the link below and booking a slot that works for you. We would love to hear from you what your takeaways are, what you want to do as your next steps and what your goals are. What did you get from listening to this masterclass? Again, just click the link below. You can have a bonus call with Team NCRE. We are here to help you out. Thank you so much for listening today. If you've loved this pod, make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And make sure to leave a five-star review as this makes me so happy and it helps to boost the show and get it out there to more property investors. Finally, if you want to email the pod, you can write to me, Natasha at ncrealestate.co.uk. I cannot wait to catch up with you again soon.